This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny K, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. coach at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. As you'll hear, Matt is responsible for making the mediocre athletes stronger and keeping the strongest, most prized wrestlers safe. In a sport where theatrical performance often trumps athletic performance, Coach Wichlinski strikes the appropriate balance to ensure the success of these men and women. It's not difficult to get Matt heated on a number of subjects. This verbose character is reminiscent of past guests such as Zach Evanesh. He explains to the crew what it's like to work with the personalities of the WWE and how, like any client-coach relationship, some are better than others. Ultimately, it's the ones with the strongest work ethic whose success trickles into all facets of life. Matt is a huge proponent for simple training. He believes that to become a better athlete, you must be consistent in order to perfect the basics of strength training. This ethos echoes into his approach to sports-specific programming in that the program must prioritize competition over training. As you'll hear, his struggles with the WWE are no different than what we see in traditional high school or college weight rooms. I'm so excited to bring you this invigorating chat with the one and only Matt Wichlinski. Here's episode 120. What's happening, Power Athlete Nation? Welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. This is Denny. I'm joined with John, Luke, Tex, Callie, and Bobby. And today our guest is Matt Wichlinski, who is the current WWE strength coach. Matt, thanks for taking the time to join us on the podcast. Uh, It's a pleasure. Uh, Thank you very much for having me on. Oh man, it's it was great. Uh, you know, I reached out to you a little while ago because I was um, used to do a lot of. Uh, I saw some videos from uh, when you were with the Strength Shop. Yeah. So um, I think I want to say a couple years ago, like Power Athlete put out that same video uh, that like we kind of connected with. So uh, maybe with with our listeners who aren't familiar with uh, who you are and and uh, what you're doing. We can just kind of launch the show with uh, a little bit about your story and kind of your journey and, uh, you know, how it, how it led to uh, your current position of awesomeness. <laughs> um, sure. Well, again, uh, my name is Matt Wichlinski. Uh, went to college at Susquehanna University, it's a small school, Pennsylvania. I had some friends over at Penn State, and Penn State has a really good uh, program out there uh, as far as strength and conditioning, kinesiology, that, that entire you know, uh, field, and uh, it's something I just always been involved with athletics, um, trying to make myself better. And growing up, I was, you know, everyone has their story growing up of their big reason why they liked to train. Well, I was like the smallest guy on the field, 
So, you know, call it a Napoleon complex or whatever it is, but because I wasn't the biggest guy, I wasn't the strongest, wasn't the fastest, you know, I, I discovered that when I started training freshman year in high school, it started making me a little bit better. And it was all I had to kind of get some kind of an advantage over other people. It was just my, like a hard work ethic. And for the first couple of years of training, I didn't get it, but the more I did, the more I learned. And then, uh, you know, I, I started seeing how the more I trained and, you know, how I developed, it, it, I would start to, you know, excel and get better than the guys that were, seemed to be light years ahead of me just a couple of years earlier. You know, when I was 140 pounds and they were 175 pounds, we were the same age, you know, they, they, they pushed me around. And then a couple of years later, they weren't working, I was, and then I started pushing them around on the field. So not only does it, you know, boost you physically, it boosts you emotionally, mentally, it just gives you that you know, that, that, that drive. And the more you do, the more you want to do, the more you achieve, the more you want to achieve. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just that, you know, perpetual motion of, of trying to get better. So after, uh, after going through high school and all that and having some success in sports after college, I did, you know, I took my uh, courses and all that. And then I started doing personal training. The personal training, uh, evolved from doing that to working in uh, small groups out of other people's gyms where I started as an employee doing the personal training and then I started uh, working with small groups, you know, like um, five to six people from a team like baseball players. And then that kind of evolved and then next thing you know, CrossFit kind of takes off and I got I got involved with that back in like 2005, you know, about 10 years ago. And then look at look at the explosion of the fitness in industry since then. You know, more and more people every single day, every week, every day, are opening their own small gyms, garage gyms, boxes, whatever you want to call them. So I did the same. Um, a couple of years after, uh, you know, working out of other people's facility, I opened my own facility in Virginia Beach called the Strength Shop. And uh, it was about a thousand square feet. It was a very simple facility. It was actually a storage unit, a storage unit designed for people to store um, their RVs or whatever you want to do. So there were some people that just stored their crap or their RV, and other people had small business out of it. So um, it was it was a you know a unique way to do it. But I guess it's becoming more and more popular. And I didn't have, at that point, I was forced to be more and more creative because I didn't have any equipment as far as machines or anything. So I had some free weights and I basically designed my entire gym from used equipment off Craigslist and whatever I could get my hands off of. So uh, unconventional training was a huge part of what I did with sandbags, anything that I could get cheap off Craigslist, used weights, kegs that I'd fill. Um, you take like a, a, a Swiss ball, like one of them high, you know, high durability Swiss balls, fill it up with water. Now you got about 120 pound um, wobbly object. I'd have, you know, I'd lift that, carry it around. Um, so there was very little bodybuilding, classic bodybuilding per se, but I just found many different unique ways to challenge myself physically. And, uh, you know, Virginia Beach in the middle of the summer, 100 plus degree weather, just just doing anything was was mentally challenging. So you push yourself through brutal workouts when, you know, the the weather, the time, what whatever it was, would be anything less than ideal. And it, it forced me to be very creative with my workouts. And then from there, I met a lot of people in the fitness industry from going to tons of seminars and certifications and constantly 
you know, trying to expand my knowledge, my information, my networking, uh, and here we are, you know, talking to you, but I eventually met up with, uh, you probably know Joe DeFranco and James Smith, Zach Evan Ash, Elliot Holson, lots and lots of other guys are some of my influences, and um, once I, uh, you know, met up with uh, Smitty and those guys, um, that ended up leading ultimately to WWE because uh, DeFranco started working with Triple H, who's the CEO of WWE right now. So when he was working with him um, a couple years ago, they founded and opened the WWE Performance Center in Orlando. So they needed a staff at the Performance Center. So we have about currently have about seven wrestling coaches. We have uh, three full-time uh, physical therapists and one strength coach. I am the strength coach. Maybe eventually we'll get a, uh, you know, an assistant in here. But so I through them, you know, I, I went through the hiring process, and there was uh, several dozen applicants to that position. But I went through the process, put in my application, and uh, ended up getting the job. So it's long story short. Started with the personal training, got involved with group training, then opened my own facility with uh, pennies that I had, you know, saved up. From there, I ended up. Um, networking my way and uh, meeting the right people and knowing the right stuff at the right time to get hired with WWE. So now here I am so, two and a half years later. Matt, so it sounds like you've uh, run the gamut as far as athletes, different types of athletes that you've trained. Um, you know, what have, what is your experience training like novice folks through, you know, maybe uh, sports specific athletes through now what you do through the WWE? And I mean, which, which have you preferred? I imagine you're probably at where you want to be at currently, but I mean, how do those experiences compare? Uh, yeah, there's actually a lot of carryover between uh, um, various types of athletes. And when I started personal training in like a private facility, you get like a lot of, I don't want to, not necessarily elderly women, but you know, you get, you know, like, a, you know, soccer moms and girls just, just want to be fit and look, look good. They don't care about how high they can jump, how fast they can roll, how, how hard they could hit a baseball. But that's what I wanted to do that. I wanted to work with athletes that were driven to excel in their sport, not just, you know, a, a typical average woman that wants to lose five pounds to fit in, in, in her sundress. Yeah. But Matt, sure. what, what if the woman's sport is slaying dudes? What if it is? Then I then now she's uh, she has a goal to drive towards slaying some ass, slaying some dudes, whatever it is. But uh, now, Kelly, but are you asking <laughs> for personal reasons? Or? Yeah, I mean, are 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 you looking for a training program? Because I got a feeling he has a training program. Bam, he could give you for slaying dudes. We we, uh, we we might have something there. As long as there's a. a driven a purpose to, to drive towards, not just, hey, yeah, I want this dress to fit better, which is fine. There's fine. But as far as what you're asking, what I wanted to work with. But I do think, you know, that there's carryover. When I started working with, um, let's say, elderly, um, now here where I'm at now, if somebody gets hurt, they tear their ACL, they have to revert back to the very basics of movement. And some of the things that I did with, say, a 65-year-old woman, you know, very basic, simple, slow, controlled uh, mobility exercises, something like that. Um, the same guy that was doing like dynamic effort squats with you know 300 pounds, he might have to revert back to that because he's learning how not necessarily how to walk again, but we have to build that up from the ground up. So uh, a lot of things that I did with uh, very entry level um, athletes, I have to revert back. You know the pre progressions and regressions. So yeah, there there is running the gamut. I have you know 150 pound 
um, guys that are very explosive, jump. You know, you look at some of these Mexican wrestlers that are flipping all over the place, and then I have 350-pound-plus behemoths that aren't flipping. They're just lifting massive weights. They're they're slow, and I have to do what I have to do to help them um, to get better at whatever they need. And it's going to be something different every day. And that's that's pretty challenging when it comes to um, programming, writing a program, because we'll write a program up, and then they take you know a weird bump. And then the entire program goes to shit because they can't do anything or half the stuff that you actually program. So it's really a day-to-day basis. These guys do not, and women, they do not have an off-season. It's yeah. every, day, every day of the year. It's not like football where there's off-season, pre-season, on-season, post-season, and you're, you know, you're trying to plan accordingly. Um, there's no real peak. But I do, I do try and periodize and uh, get them to work through um, – cycles and waves with going really heavy then going lighter and going through deload phases but um these these guys are on tv you know every other week and or every week and it depends on where they're at in their career um so i try and program you know that accordingly i have guys that come in um their first you know several weeks here in the facility they might already have 10 or 15 years of bodybuilding or some kind of athletic or fitness experience other guys they're completely raw like Maybe they came from um, an amateur wrestling uh, league and they just didn't lift weights. They just wrestled and they wrestled every day and their sport was their training. And then I have to teach them how to do all the basics, how to bench press, how to squat, you know, what, whatever it is. You know, they don't even know what half the equipment here is. They've never seen it before. So that's, that's pretty interesting. I have, you know, even though we're you know, at this professional level, I, ha- I still have guys and girls that are total amateurs and I have, you know, on the other end, uh, totally elite. You know, I have uh, seven hundred and fifty pound deadlifters here. So, you know, it's it's yeah. pretty interesting trying to program that. I imagine that a huge component that you sort of touched on was just dealing with people coming back from competition and and having injuries, right? And so I I can definitely appreciate what you say about the training is more to essentially allow these athletes to survive competition. So you'll probably get some personalities in who, all right, like they want to program, they want to feel like they're getting stronger, and you have you have to get past that mental block, like, hey, this training is to make you a stronger individual just to survive your sport. And we run into that problem all the time um, when we do our seminars because people don't understand, particularly during in-season training, that uh, you know competition is competition. Your sport right. is your sport. That is the arena of performance. And right. uh, a lot of what we do is just try to not fuck them up and uh, make sure they're mechanically sound and then navigate around any injuries that they may have. Absolutely. And sometimes the goals that they may have for in the gym are contradictory to what they actually need to do for their sport. These guys are in here four or five days a week in the ring for three hours each session, and then they're in the gym with me for an hour and a half. And I have a system where I make sure I run them through a good dynamic warm-up, and then we do our specific warm-ups with whatever the big loops for the day are, and then the primary work, and then the assistance work, and uh, if sometimes we'll condition, sometimes not. I don't condition these guys every day because they're already doing their specific conditioning in the ring for three hours a day. So sometimes they, they'll say, well, this program doesn't work because I actually lost strength. And then I'll ask them, well, when your bench press was up, what, for or whatever exercise it is that they're gauging their strength on, when you were um, doing that before, six months ago, a year ago, were you doing three hours of wrestling every day? No. Like they basically went to maybe whatever job they were at the time, and then they would you know, train. But now they have 12 to 15 hours a week in the, in the ring, and you expect your peak strength to be the same when you're adding – 
15 hours, 12 to 15 hours a week, every single week. So there's going to be, you know, a give and take. You're going to have to, uh, you know, pick and choose where you need to excel at. I don't care if their bench press goes down 15 or 20 pounds because my job is to make sure that they are healthy and able to train in the ring as much as possible. And yes. then from the ring, their job is to make sure that they can perform on stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people. So it's not all about getting their biceps to peak and how ripped they can be. It's about keeping them healthy so they can practice more. And then once they get out of the developmental system, which is where we're at, the, the performance center is basically the developmental system um, to get them ready for WWE, to be on Monday Night Raw, the, uh, you know, um, the other shows, SmackDown, and, and everything else that they're trying to be with uh, – with that brand. So it's not just about making your body look good. It's about making it feel better so you can perform better. So somebody's got to have purely bodybuilding goals. I just tell them, you know, I, I try and get them to understand that just bodybuilding goals aren't necessarily going to help you perform better at your sport. Sure. You look better in the mirror or whatever, but, um, that might, that might be the difference. You know, they come from a strictly bodybuilding background, and then they wonder, okay, now I'm running in the ring. I'm doing all these tumbles and rolls. And I'm getting suplexed all day. I'm landing on my back. Well, how come, you know, how come certain exercises went down in numbers? Just a little bit maybe. You know, if it drops way off, I'm trying to balance that out. But the goal can't be strictly physique-based. It has to be performance-based. And I use, you know, I, I look at that first. How's your performance first? How do you feel? How's your general health? And then we'll worry about your physique if you're able to do all the things that's required of you specifically for your sport. Matt, we're seeing a, a change in football just based off the threat of concussions. And so I, I know your sport, I'm familiar, I'm a big fan, so I'm just curious kind of are you making any adjustments because you have to have violence in the ring to protect your athletes from concussions? Absolutely. We actually have a really good protocol. Every every couple of months, we have a concussion specialist come down, and um, some of the guys have seen the uh, the demonstrations and the seminars several times, so they don't do it anymore. But we always have. Whenever we do a new hire, we, we hire groups of people at a time. They have a, a big start date, and they'll they'll go through that process. And it, it's it's very educational from everything. So we have our uh, concussion specialist come down from Massachusetts. There's an institute up there that specializes on that. I'm not exactly sure the, the name of the facility, but um, so there's a huge educational process. And then we have our, if, if anything happens, somebody takes a weird bump, they get a little bit woozy, uh, we put them through an impact test, and it's a state of it's it's state of the art uh, process that they do um, that our our team doctors our physical therapists run them through so it really is a, a good process we do everything we can for prevention as far as strength you know I make sure that their upper back their chest their neck is strong so if they do take a weird hit a bump um, they don't get jarred around as much because that's been one of the things that they've found to help people for prevention it's just having upper body strength you know as far as your neck your traps and good mobility as well to you know to help prevent any, you know, secondary issues. Like when you land on your back and your head jars around or look at, you know, whiplash from a car accident or something like that. We just had last year, one of our divas get in a car accident. She was driving with her aunt who happened, and this was in the news uh, a while back. You guys probably missed it or whatever, but the rocks niece, works here and the rock's mom was in the car so she was driving with her aunt so it's the rock's mom i'm sure you guys are all familiar with the rock and her and then uh all of a sudden they just got whacked blindsided and you know it was an issue and she was very strong so even though she broke her collarbone there was no concussion there was no other issue like that so you know that feels that feels good to know that a lot of these guys take it seriously um 
and working on your next strength. That's not necessarily going to help your physique, but that could be the difference. You know, that saves your career. You know, are you injury prone? Um, yeah, and that's some things that I've seen with you know typical bodybuilder type guys. They they come in and they get a little bit uh, hurt a little bit more. Maybe they're because you know once you get fatigued. You know your ability to run and take hits and all that kind of uh, goes down. So, like they say, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Not to say it's a coward, but the 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 overlying you know factor that we're trying to look at is, are you able to maintain good technique and, and good form when you're really tired? So their conditioning is key, and that's going to help prevent injuries, whether it be a concussion or some other you know issue. So, uh, yes, having them in top shape as much as possible through the year. Not the, the best thing to do is make sure they don't get out of shape and they do have an, an injury. Now it's up to them. If they know they're going to be out 12 weeks, 16 weeks, whatever it is for, you know, it could be a labrum, could be a knee or whatever it is. Are they going to do everything they possibly can to stay in shape? Are they going to do everything they can to work on their nutrition more? Because you always have control over what you're putting in your mouth. So if you're out for a couple months, are you going to eat crap, eat junk food, come back looking fat? Or if that could be the best thing, helping you come back and be, prepared and be ready doing all the secondary things making sure you're sleeping right taking care of everything else your nutrition all that so you know as far as concussion goes the initial question that you asked me yeah i think being strong being mobile making sure that your neck and shoulders upper back all that is in really good shape that's going to help them passively and mm -hmm. uh second just making sure that they're performing as best they can and not doing anything stupid not taking bumps off the top rope when they don't need to you know, because there's some guys that want to show off and like, hey, look at me, look what I can do. And they do all these crazy moves off the top rope. And if it's unnecessary, why do it when you can get a better response from the crowd? At the end of the day, this is entertainment. So you're trying to get a response from the crowd. And if you have to do a, a backflip off the top rope to get a response, you know, you, you might want to, you know, reconsider where you want your career to go, because that's probably going to shorten the length of your career. You look at some other guys like uh, Hulk Hogan. You never saw him doing any, you know, backflips off the top. What was his big move? Hulk Hogan's big move was a leg drop. It's like the simplest thing you can possibly do. And the crowd would go wild, right? It's freaking Hulk Hogan doing a leg drop. Somebody I'm just about to jump in and say leg drop, but I'm pretty sure Matt hasn't taken a breath in like probably 12 minutes. Yeah. I've been trying to jump in. I was, about to, I was literally, I was about to say leg, leg drop. Oh. You know what these are? Are you from New Jersey? Because the only guys I know that speak this fast without taking a breath are from New Jersey. <laughs> I actually grew up uh, right outside Philly in North Delaware, so uh, oh, I'm okay. sorry. I'll try and I'll try and. Oh no, no, no! Uh, it's dude, great. I, yeah. I just I lived in Philly for five years, so I, um, I I I know the town. I heard the accent, and I was like, oh, he sounds like a. Sounds like a Philly guy. It's like Zach Avanesh. It's like it reminds me so much of yeah. when we when we had him on. Um, Matt, um, so when when you do have these athletes come in of very varying abilities, I mean, going back to the sports performance aspect and the demands of uh, wrestling, what are you looking for out of these guys? Can is there a biomarker where you're like, okay, this person's has a long ways to go, or this person is going to be great in the ring? I mean, what are what are some of those biomarkers and performance markers? Um, I, I wish I had something tangible that, you know, I could say, like, once they achieve this, they're going to be great, but it's really not. I've had guys, and un unfortunately, this is the truth, um, some guys completely suck in the gym, just complete terrible, can't do a power clean to save their life, bench, squat, everything is garbage, but they knock the house down they just rip the roof off and that people love them in the ring so sometimes it comes down to your you know your performance your energy your attitude your charisma all these things 
but so for them, I just have to do anything I possibly can to help them a little bit, you know, in, improve their push-ups, maybe improve their mobility in their hips or, or something. Um, uh, there, there's, there's nothing, you know, it's, it's more of an art form, really. Uh, there's no direct carryover from the gym to really any sport, I think. You can take a football player's squat from 315 to 405. It might help him. It might not. I like to think typically getting stronger is going to help you, but there's a lot of people. I've played with a lot of athletes over the years. I've had some guys that never lifted a weight, came into the gym, struggled, looked like they were on a damn near break their back, squatting 185, but then run circles around other people. Like it's, let's say a wide receiver, just super fast. So sometimes genetics, sometimes just you know natural, talented, gifted ability to just blow past other people. It depends on the sport, but with us, um, there's so much more subjectivity than there is objectivity. And uh, me in the gym, like, I am pretty much the only objective coach in here. Like, numbers matter to me. You know, are you making improvement or are you not? As long as your technique stays the same and you lift more weight, that's progress. Or, you know, if it's something where you're measured by speed, if the technique is the same but you're doing it faster, that's progress. Your box, or, you know, your, your box jump used to be 36 inches, now you're 44. That's progress to me. But unfortunately, there's nothing that says any progress in here is going to carry over to there because look at Stone Cold, right? He cracked open a beer, chugged it, punched somebody in the face, gave him a stunner, and that's what got him over. And absolutely none of that was learned in the gym. Um, so as long as I can try and keep these guys healthy – keep them smart, not have them do any unnecessary shit that's going to get them hurt. Um, that's kind of the biggest part because they are, they are athletes and they are, um, they're, they're driven to get better. So sometimes they make very unnecessary, you know, risks. Like let me, you know, let, let, let me test my max again. So dude, you just tested your max last week or the week before. We're not going to do hundred percent three, four, five weeks in a row. Whereas then you have on the other side of the coin, you've got guys that won't test their max for like a year because they just nice and easy. Let me get through this. So everybody's different. Some guys like light workouts for a lot of reps. They like the pump. Other guys, you know, anything more than two or three reps is conditioning to them. So I try and have that happy medium and try and make sure that they have a balanced program. The guys that need to get stronger, I try and get them stronger. The guys that already have 400-plus pound bench presses, 600-pound-plus pound deadlifts, I don't need to get them any stronger. I need to make sure that they're healthy, they're moving well, and uh, kind of just stay in maintenance mode. And, you know, some guys hate that. You know, i got to find a better way to, you know, better terminology so they don't think maintenance mode i'll have maintenance when i fucking die when i'm in the coffin i'll maintain for now i want to get better but if they're sucking in the in the ring and they're not getting any better at their skill because all their effort their 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 mental uh, they're, they're just draining themselves in the gym so they can't you know focus on the ring they're kind of missing the boat they're here to be wrestlers so what i do is secondary i'm trying to make sure that they can perform best in practice not just put prs on the board because that's not what i'm gauging my uh the program off of sure I, we've got a record board up there and we've got some decent numbers but i i'm going to gauge my progress on how infrequently they're hurt or you know how how often i can get them practicing not you know taking their bench press from you know 325 to 345 or whatever the case may be sure i want them to get stronger but as long as all the other factors are in place and they're getting better in the ring and it's so subjective you know i'm still trying to figure shit out i wish i had some more answers for you like oh just they can just power clean more but that's absolute bullshit it doesn't really matter
Is there any influence down from the top down saying guys coming into your weight room and saying, hey, I need them to do this, this, or that? It sounds like you have a lot of freedom, so I'm curious, do the other guys outside of the weight room try to come in and tell you how to do your job? No, I have uh, I have 100%. I'm, I'm extremely lucky in the sense that uh, I I am the head strength coach. I don't have any assistance. I'm not saying that's a good thing that I don't have assistance, but I just do everything 100% my way. I give them the um, – the, the program, it's more about a philosophy to me. There's, you know, methods are many, principles are few. The methods will change, but the principles never do. I know that's kind of cheesy, but it's, it's, it's true to me is um, showing them how to get stronger and stay healthy over time. And as long as they follow these principles with the warm-ups and, and uh, the, the upper body and the lower body training and, and waving the loads, we will have guys just last week, you know, we had John Cena in here talking to these guys. So that was a good outside influence um, as far as, you know, hey, one of the one of the key factors to him ha being durable and the longevity of his career. Shit, he's he's uh, had the heavyweight championship 15 times, and he's one of the guys that trains his ass off. He's my age, 37, and he still squats over 500, still deadlifts 600, bench presses over four. These are major markers. Um, does that guarantee you're going to be healthy and safe? Of course not. But being strong is going physically is going to help you be stronger mentally. It's going to make you want to drive to get better and succeed at everything. But if you're just slack, you're like, oh, that's hard. I don't feel like doing it. Then everything like that is going to come up in life. It's, it's going to be hard to wake up and get out of bed because your back's sore, because you took a weird bump the day before. Um, but strong people are strong-willed through everything they do. They make sure that they wake up, they make their bed, they get to work first, they, show, they, they leave last, they do everything they possibly can. When you go home at night, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, did I do every goddamn thing I could possibly do to be the best? I could be at my job, for my family, whatever it is that's driving you to excel. If you look yourself in the mirror and say, oh, I could have done a little bit more, or worse, if you're even lying to yourself and you're saying, yeah, I did everything I could, but really you did shit. You did another shit workout. You uh, you barely laced your boots. You know, your, your boots are loose when you're running around in the ring. You didn't do anything to really stretch. You didn't, any, you didn't do anything um, proactive to feel better. You got shit sleep because you fucking got drunk last night. You ate shit food. You picked up some food at the local freaking gas station on the way to work because you didn't prepare anything. Well, you're a fucking asshole and you're stealing from the company because you're not doing anything that that deserves to be, you know, uh, you know that 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 you should excel from. So that's that's kind of an issue that we have with guys that have been around for a long time. They feel like. Groundhog Day, and they run the, the the rat race. Oh, we come here every day, and you know we haven't made it yet. Well, maybe the first issue is your attitude. Like, and the the top guys that are going up, I see it across the board. They all have better attitudes. They know it, this success doesn't come overnight. They've been in this building for years, doing the grind, doing the doing. Before they were here, they were somewhere else, going through the grind, and the grind never stops. I've done millions of reps of squats and presses and vari variations of everything, and and uh, and you still do it. You never stop because that's once you stop, you know you 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 get decrepit and you know your shit just dies. So I try and get these guys to understand the importance of daily workouts. And, and uh, at, at my age, shit, I'm lucky to have one good workout out of every uh, 10 or 20 workouts. Like not every one. I, I'm going to do the best I can on that day, but the best I can on that day probably isn't the best I ever done you know so like once a month I have like an amazing day where I'm like shit that was like a PR day the other ones are just punching the clock doing the best I can trying to stay focused trying to push my mind as much as my body and trying to teach these principles to these guys um, and once they're on the road they're on the road almost 300 days a year it seems you know so they're hardly ever home um, 
uh, going from town to town, Chicago one day, St. Louis the next, freaking Philadelphia the next to Houston. And it's, it's nonstop. It's constant travel. And uh, imagine, imagine how pancake their bodies get. So trying to get these guys to understand the importance of mobility, the importance of movement. Um, it's not all about a pump. It's just about moving your body and staying healthy within yourself. And there's all kinds of shit you can do with a pair of 15-pound dumbbells. It doesn't always have to be about 300-pound presses. So I try and give them a lot of different options no matter what's going on. Um, uh, and like I, I, the point that I made earlier, we have so many different athletes, guys that before they even came here, they had um, world champion coaches from Serbia that they learned from. Like these guys that, that come in the door on their first day, they're deadlifting 700 pounds. What the fuck am I going to teach this guy about strength that he hasn't already worked with? He's already worked with like the likes of Klokov and these other guys, coaches that you know, have forgotten more than I'll ever know in my fucking life. You know, what am I going to teach these guys? But I can help, you know, keep them motivated and inspired and show them, you know, different things that they can do when they kind of get bored coming to the same gym day in, day out, going through the same, uh, the same motions. You got to find beauty in simplicity, really. You know, when you're doing the same shit all the time, I, I show them, you know, variations that, that are still very effective. And, uh, they get a little bit bored because they might not have like the newest, most up-to-date equipment. And uh, I try and get them to understand it's not about having this extraordinary shit, but it's about finding, you know, this beauty and doing the ordinary shit and trying to do the, the ordinary shit better. I'm, I'm not trying to blow the roof off with doing like some crazy wobble board, one arm presses while juggling a flaming fucking baby. You know, um, people that are always need that shiny new object. You, you see that whatever they're doing, it fades out real quick because they get bored. Uh, it's because it's like they're training for entertainment. I don't train for entertainment. They should be entertaining other people in the ring. I don't have to entertain them. They should entertain other people because that's their job. So uh, I do the best I can to keep things simple, keep it productive, and uh, keep them focused on what the big goal is, not just you know the, the, the short-term goals. I ramble a lot. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, that's all right, Matt. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about having you know uh, one workout a month where you're like, man, I'm killing it, but you're still on the grind every day getting into the training. We often talk a lot about the fastest way to stop being an athlete is to start being a coach. Can you give us a little insight into some of your current training right now and what it's looking like? Oh, that, that's a hell of a point, man, because I have about 75 athletes right now that, you know, I try and help them with their program. And it's extremely time consuming. I, I make sure that I stay on my game. Like I, you know, like they say, pay yourself first, right? So I'm not as strong as I once was, as fast. I can't jump as high as I once was, but I'm, I'm going on 38 soon. So to me, it's like, even if I maintain at this point by getting older and still maintain like my ability, I'm kind of making progress in a sense, just because I'm able to still do it when I'm getting older. Hopefully I can still be 45 or 50 and still do the things, you know, kind of the same things I'm doing now. Um, but I think it's important to pay yourself first. If you have to get up earlier to get a workout in, even if it's a quick mobility workout or whatever it is, you got to do it. Um, if all you do is just focus on everybody else all the time, of course that's important. That's my job. But if I can't keep myself close to 100%, how the hell am I going to help anybody else? So I think the better off I am, the more energy I'm going to have, the more ability I'm going to have to help more people. And that there's a, an old client I had and it, it broke my heart because she would say that all the time. She had kids that were in school and she would just grind herself to a pulp and she never had any energy for herself. She was very overweight and she had, you know, kids and everything went to them first. And she said, I give them a hundred percent. And I said, yeah, wouldn't it be better if, you know, 
let's let's say your current level of ability is right now let's say it's a four and I'm you know pulling out an arbitrary number so you're giving them a hundred percent of a four but what if you got your current ability up to a twelve and then you gave them fifty percent then you're still giving them more you know now you're giving them a six so I'm, I don't know if that makes any sense but you've got to get your own ability you got to feel healthier first get your own shit up. You don't have to be an elite athlete to be a good coach, and I'm not even saying I'm an elite coach. I'm here, and I'm very happy and proud proud of that, but uh, I also like to stay humble at the same time. Um, I want to help these guys as much as I possibly can, and I think one of the best ways I can help them is if I help myself and try and keep myself on top of my game. Um, and I'm constantly experimenting with new things because I have so many guys with different shoulder problems, so they might not be able to do like a barbell strict press. They have to do variations with different bars. And so I'm constantly tweaking and playing, and I'm my own science project. I'm always experimenting on myself, and a lot of people say too much variation is going to be you know, bad for progress, but I'm not going to experiment with other people too much before I do it myself. So... Um, you know, and, and with us not having a ton of machines in here, we, we do have some machines, but it's mostly, you know, racks and barbells and dumbbells with some other stuff. So I learned how to use, you know, barbells different ways. With using the landmines and different shit like that, that really helps people with uh, that need a little bit more therapeutic needs. Um, so as, as far as, you know, me being a coach and regressing as an athlete, I just think I've been fortunate to make sure that I get my own shit in. Uh, early in the day, late in the day, whatever I need to do, and I just, I never stop. The, the best thing you can possibly do is never get out of shape. So ever since I started training, I've never taken more than two or three weeks off at a time. You know, I've I've pushed a little bit harder for periods, went a little bit easier for periods, had some off seasons during sports and stuff like that, but uh, for the most part, just never really stopped. Matt, have, have you have you ever considered being a motivational speaker? Fuck no. There's 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 enough Jim Rohns out there and Brian Tracy's and Jim whoever they are. Um, no, it's funny. Like I talk to these guys sometimes, and then uh, they'll they'll make fun of me like that. But it's uh you know you guys brought up Zach Evan Esch, and uh, he's 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 such an awesome dude. I've learned so much from him. Shout out to Zach. I love you, brother. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, you look at these guys, and it's not just about lifting weights. It's about getting these guys to want to push themselves in every single way possible. To, I'm, I'm a new father. You know, I have an 11-month-old daughter. She's beautiful. So I want to make sure that I'm my very best self for her because, shit, I'm 37. By the time she's 15, 16 years old, she's, I'm going to be 50, and it's going to be nuts. How you doing, sweetie? I, I got a little podcast thing going on. Ah, you just got off the podcast, huh? I did. Yeah. Well, we did yesterday. Okay. I'm right. like, I need to stop moving around. Sorry, I have some company. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I just, I, I like that whole thing is, you know, staying, staying positive, but yet truthful. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, being like overly positive is just like lying to yourself, and I think that's bullshit. Like, you just honesty and assessment of where you're really at is you know, sometimes a kick in the dick of mm -hmm. realizing that you're not as good as you should be and uh, and realizing that. Then you just have to, you know, one, once you acknowledge where you're at, then you have to, you know, organize the plan to get better. I yeah. don't care if it's lifting more weights. I don't care. Or if you just live on the Internet and pretend. Yeah. Yes. I mean, because that's much easier than mm -hmm. actually looking in the mirror, unfucking yourself, putting a yeah. plan together to actually get something. Uh, you know what? Is, I'll just live on the Internet where I can hide in my mom's basement. It is company policy. Yeah. Athlete to only 
uh, use negative reinforcement and brutal honesty. Well, the uh, we realized long ago that the final evolution of strength uh, training and getting strong is actually negative reinforcement mm -hmm. and just fucking basically being berated. So you like people, <laughs> people go through an amateur phase where they get strong and then they kind of get in this like kind of like I'm kind of strong but I want to get stronger but I'm kind of fucking limbo but I think I know everything because I'm on a forum. <laughs> and then at which point they fucking run straight into like verbal abuse, negative They're reinforcement. <laughs> and fucking beating them senseless, and at some point they get stronger because they just don't want to hear it anymore. I can confirm <laughs> all of that. It's true. I, uh, you know, I mean, it, you know, and Matt, Matt's made, like, it's so much solid gold in this whole deal. I mean, he, he made the same observation I had where, you know, uh, and we, I mean, dude, it's part of our seminar where I tell about, dude, going to the weight room and seeing guys not be able to fucking, like, lift the bar, basically, you know, have 225 on and struggling for singles, and you go out on the field yep. and fucking power slam guys. And yeah. like there was, it was always this, uh, like weird, you know, like it was kind of a like confusion that there were guys um, that had the ability to take what they could do in the weight room and use it, and then there was other guys that benched 600 pounds that couldn't play dead. And yeah. uh, part of my training became obsessed with this idea, like why the fuck can't these guys take what they're doing in here and move it out towards there? And um, fuck, dude, I'm sure you've seen it too, where you've seen guys like come in and you're like, man, this guy might hurt himself in the ring, and a guy goes out there and just trucks people, and you kind of scratch your head, and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to try to make this guy a little bit better, and you also made a great point too about uh, realizing when somebody's pretty good and not fucking them up, being like, you know what, you're doing pretty good over there, I'm just going to help you a little bit, and don't let me get in the way of your greatness. So That's it, yeah. Sometimes with some of these uh, athletes, guys and girls, the hardest part of my job is coming in and turning the light on, and uh, I just let them do their thing like because they know what needs to be done they they don't skip the little things they're they're tentative they do their due diligence with their warm ups and um you know they they don't get stupid with the weights they're not a pussy but they don't have to get foolish either i would rather see a beautifully executed you know squat like three rep squat of like 315 than like you grinding and look like you're going to fucking blow your back out and die with 405 you know some coaches are like number whores you know as long as the number gets up they're better i don't, don't I, I don't i don't need to see that i want to see Go ahead. Don't, don't you really think like, and, and this is something that uh, we wrestle with a lot. Like, I think, um, and actually, in fact, I, ironically, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday about it. I think, honestly, some people either lie to themselves or can't understand what's good and bad in terms of movement. Like we talk right. about, it, uh, you know, as coaches, that we have this inherent fucking coach's eye, where we watch somebody do something, and it's like watching. Uh, a train wreck in slow motion. Like I can watch somebody literally set up with the bar, and from like before they even break any uh, at any joint, I know whether it's going to be bad or good or bad just on the way they approach the bar. They're set up having people seen it do it, seen them do it, and like as they demonstrate something that looks like dog shit, I take personal offense to it. They guys have heard me at seminars where I'm like, "What you're doing is hurting my feelings. So let's yeah. stop this. Let's figure this thing out." But I think a lot of coaches. Either they lie to themselves, or maybe they don't have like an inherent coach's eye where they know good and bad. Because that's the only thing I can chalk it up to. Because I see dog shit all the time, and people not saying anything. I'm like looking around. I'm like, how are you not fucking seeing this? And they're like, well, uh, and I'm like, I mean, that's like, um, you know, like, uh, you know, seeing like uh, somebody kicking a dog on the street and just walking by and being like, oh well, you know, I like, I don't want to get involved. Somebody kicks a fucking dog, I'm gonna fucking sock him in the face. Or like, you know, it's just uh. I'm, I've resigned myself to the fact that either there's two excuses. People fucking don't know 
or they're too lazy to say something, and neither yeah. of which is acceptable. Hey, absolutely. Hey, let's. Uh, did you see the 640-pound bench press, Matt? That. Uh, oh, let's not fucking go here again. We have to. I, I want to know his opinion. This. Um. Well, I, I've seen a. I've seen a couple different bench presses that are, you know, in quotations, bench presses with either, you know, four different guys grabbing the bar. One guy's mm -hmm. doing an upright row. Two other guys are doing like a quarter <laughs> curl. <laughs> Did you, see the one she's Did you see the one she's referencing that just came out where the guy, like, drops the, the bar, the 640 on the bar, he drops it's, it on a two-board? It's he, he, actually, he actually does, like, a rowing motion, does, like, a double bounce, shoots it up while the other guys upright row it, and then they fucking posted it as this kid benching 640. I think it was actually uh, a football team. Was it like? Uh, yeah, it was Clemson. Clemson football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it was Clemson. Unreal, man. And uh, and this stuff gets promoted and it gets put out there and it's absolute shit. And um, and what do you do? Because then people want to start chasing that number and anything you can possibly do to get that number up. Well, you know what? I can put reverse bands on. I can put a slingshot on. I can use a six board and I could not fucking move the weight at all. And I can have four guys fucking pulling on it and I could say I did 700 pounds. Or you look in the mirror and you realize that you're fucking lying. Um, and so that, that's just it. You, I try and teach these guys what's good, what's effective. Be honest with yourself and uh, and make slow, steady progress and don't don't feel bad if you you know if you gain five pounds over ten pounds of progress over a six month period. That's still progress. It's still Have you ever coached anybody on a six board press? <laughs> let's just uh, yeah, let's just put a cinder block or two on the chest. And see. I, uh, I I remember seeing a guy like you know following the conjugate website stuff who like was talking about like he knew he was going to set a PR at this um, at this meet. Because he PR'd his five board press, <laughs> and uh, I like—is that was, the guy who you had to tuck in his uh, pack? Uh, oh. No, that was the fucking most disgusting. We. Oh my god, I'm we, barfing. <laughs> we we had we had a powerlifting meet at a uh, at our gym. The uh, so, southern southern whoa, whoa 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 southern powerlifting federation. So we're the, we're at the gym. It's Luke's first day on the job. We're there, and this dude comes in who's like a 600 pound. Was he seven, six or seven hundred pound like single ply bench presser, like bench press specialist? Now, mind you, this guy was probably four hundred plus pounds. Five foot six. So it really <laughs> wasn't like I, I mean, like if you did the math, it's maybe a two, I mean one and a half times body weight bench press, mm -hmm. like, which isn't all that fucking impressive. Right. But the guy, like as they go and they uh, like them trying to get him into this single ply shirt was like trying to like stuff 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. Yeah. And as he gets in there, the guy looks at me and goes, hey, uh, I'm going to pull the shirt out. Can you reach down and pull my peck up? <laughs> and, like, as he does it, first of all, it wasn't a peck. It kind of reminded me of, like... There's two bags of sand. Yeah, it looked like... Bags of sand. It looked like a disgusting tit that yeah. looked more like a pancake. And I looked at the guy, and I was like, you must be fucking... I, like, looked around, and I was like, you must be fucking joking. Like, I'm not fucking... One, I'm not reaching my hand in there, you sweaty mess. So I think I... I, I forgot who I had else. I was like, no, no, you got to get somebody else. But the guy literally searched me out that I somehow I was going to fucking do this. I looked at the guy, I'm like, you got to be fucking out of your mind. People are um, insane. It was disgusting. And the guy fucking yeah, does it. But uh, he, he did. I mean, uh, it, when he referred to that thing as a peck, I was like... <laughs> Threw up. I, I, I'm throwing up right now, but uh, I mean, the guy, God, he was, he was, like, watching them fucking stuff him into this shirt was like, they were like stuffing fat rolls. He was like a Sharpay in a fucking tight shirt in a wetsuit. Uh, oh, 
God it's, damn it. It's like those late night infomercials. How to how to get slim as hell in five minutes and instead of actually, you know, working on something incredible, it's like wrap yourself in this corset and shove all your fat underneath this mega constricted thing like that you buy at three o'clock in the morning. That's, are, that's are, aren't those those uh, the, those pants that, or those uh, tights that they yeah, sell spanks? Fucking spanks or whatever else. Yeah, I'm wearing some right now. They fit great. <laughs> tuck, tuck uh, Luke actually calls cards. spanks his jeans because yeah. they was fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Don't actually make yourself better. Just uh, just lie to people. So if you do ever actually have sex and you pull this shit off. Well, that's the fucking internet, dude. Because I like, and, and uh, we we trained some young guys here at uh, like like just kind of pro bono shit. We skipped out of training with this. Uh, we're getting this kid ready to go back. Who's a, a major league baseball uh, prospect? Prospect. He uh, he's a pitcher. But like, you know, like you're, we're we're the same age, and so like we missed all this like kind of I don't know uh, internet dating Tinder bullshit. But like listening to it, and I'm like, he's like showing me these girls' profiles. And I'm like, well, how do you know, like, when you show up, like, that's the same person? He's like, oh, it never is. And I was like, <laughs> never. I was like, then, then what do you do? He's like, well, I'm, it's not my real picture either. I'm like, so we basically become a society of liars where it's there's become, like, uh, an acceptable amount of lie. You have an acceptable lie. Let's get together. Hopefully it's dark, and we won't call each other on our lie. We'll go out and fucking knock it out, and then we both fucking disappear in the morning. There's a well, Bruce Willis movie like that. What is that called? Uh, Die Hard. No, no. <laughs> Die, I'll think of it. Die Hard. That's a great movie. Everybody should see that one. What's what, Die Hard? Called? No. Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah, it's, but but that's all. That's what society is now. It's about who can get the most likes on Instagram. It doesn't matter if any of it's real or or you know based on anything you've ac ever actually done. Let's just throw some filters on. Let's pretend I'm a lot cooler than it is. Let's hollow out all my fucking you know, 45-pound bumper plates, so they're actually five pounds, and I let the whole internet know that I can actually, you know, power clean, you know, 405, but I can really, you know, not front squat too, you know, so it's whatever. The world's full of liars, and uh, eventually people get called on their bullshit, but I could care less. I'm over here doing my thing, and if people think they look cooler because they're feeding their own ego for more Instagram likes or something, you know, more, more power to you. So, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt, oh, Matt, how do you work your kind of leaderboard into this? And sub question: How much does the rock bench press? I have no idea. I've never worked with him. I haven't been that lucky yet. But uh, shit, he looks freaking awesome now, doesn't he? Whatever he's doing is working. Fuck, I, yeah. Uh, uh, Tom Kennedy, who was uh, who's been on our podcast, Tommy was our strength coach in Philly, uh -huh. and he uh, he trained the rock down in Miami. So he's always been uh, he he's been like our are kind of, uh, you know, mainline to the rock and what's he doing for his training and that. But, uh, yeah, dude, he looks like a million bucks. I was fortunate enough to have Tom come visit me for a day. He was uh, he was in town. I guess what they, he got released from the Vikings, I believe, a year or two ago. I'm not sure. Yeah, he uh, – well, it, players get released, coaches get canned. So Tommy got fired. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I remember uh, put it. Yeah, release, I was like, God damn, that's a really nice way of saying it. No, he got fired. And uh, yeah. he, he kind of hung out a little bit, and then now he's down in Tennessee. Oh, good. So uh, I'm glad he's doing well. But yeah, he was. Uh, he had some free time, and uh, he contacted me, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, I know the Rock." And he kept, you know, that was his way in. You know, he he had to keep giving himself credential after credential. I was like, "Hey, man, 
it sounds like you know what you're talking about. You don't. I don't need 27 more credentials because he obviously knew what he was doing. Because mm-hmm. we typically don't have guests in here, just in here watching, looking around. Because some people are marks. You know, they just they just want to see what's going on. Maybe they're a huge fan, and that's not good for us because then they want to put that stuff on the internet when sure. a lot of what we do is a huge secret. So he he was a fan, but he knew the rock. So I was able to get him in here. He awesome dude. Um, knew his shit, obviously, and uh, it was it was an absolute pleasure to meet him. Yeah, no, he, he's uh, he's he's one of the good guys. I mean, when I uh, I when I got to the Eagles as a as a young guy, it was all hit, and I had to do with their hit program for the first year, and then that I, I ended up getting hurt, and I stayed there the whole off season, and uh, we had this like hit weight room with like very few uh, free weights, and like we designed a whole program that was like basically everything that included lifting the fucking hit machines. He's like, okay, we're going to fucking lift this machine 20 times. I'm like, this machine, like the handles? He's like, no, the machine. These things are pieces of shit. So, like, Tommy developed a whole program. Uh, dude, I credit him with a lot of my early development just for the mere fact that, like, one, he was willing to train twice a day, and then, uh, two, we'd, like, head over to Finnegan's Wake or some of the local Philly spots, so we'd always get beers, and uh, he was a great guy to hang out with. Cool, man. Hey, Matt, sounds like you have a lot of guys come through the training center. Uh, do you have – and you don't have to use names, uh, but is there anyone specific that has been like your opus or your greatest accomplishment that you've seen uh, thanks to your training rise to the top? Yeah, there's there's actually been a few. And um, I, I, I mean I, I don't take full credit for anything. I think it's always up to the athlete. They have the information. All these guys have access to the greatest wrestling coaches and uh, – you know, a, a strength and conditioning coach and a great physical therapy team, but some of them just use it better. You know what I mean? They they do their homework. They go home and when, when I give them a, a nutrition plan, I can I can see that they're doing it. Like I some for some people, I have to say, hey, send me pics of your food. You know, so I can see you're actually eating. And the ones that do it. They're proud of it. They're like, look what I'm doing. Other guys, oh, I'm not, that's, that takes too much time. No, it doesn't. You're texting 100 fucking people a day. It takes you two seconds to snap a pick of your food. Um, so I know who's stopping by the gas station to get snacks every day, and I know who's actually taking the time to prepare good quality proteins and who's actually spending more money on supplements than they do food, which is fucking stupid as shit. You guys know supplements are like the tip of the iceberg, not the, like the foundation, but some of these guys get so caught up in bodybuilding.com that they have to buy all their freaking buy one, get one free BOGO specials. Anyway, I'm digressing, but like I said before, when I have uh, some guys that come in and they don't have a ton of experience, and that also means they don't have a ton of bad habits. So... I train them my way from the beginning, and uh, I can drop their body fat a few points. I put some good numbers. Uh, so, so I can increase their big lifts. Um, I get them to focus a little bit more on compound movements and, uh, and you know, focus on the performance first. I always do a little bit better. Maybe it's just the way I do it. I focus on performance goals first, and then the physique kind of follows suit. But we, it is such a vain business. There's so much vanity here. The egos are through the roof. If you coach these guys the wrong way and you say something a little bit too harsh, they ball up like a little fucking turtle sometimes. Not all of them. Some of them love it. They need it. Other guys, they're just they're too vain. They're too ego-driven. And if you say anything critical um, in an attempt to try and make them better, you know, they can't handle that they might, do it, they might be doing something wrong. They're like, oh, well, you know, I think I'm doing all right. I'm like, yeah, I didn't say you weren't doing all right, but I'm looking at – Everything I see, I'm trying to get you to do better. And the guys that are a little bit too sensitive, hypersensitive, oh, man, they're, they're, they're hard to work with. But the guys that they want the feedback, they're always coming to me, hey, 
check my form on this, you know, because I got 20 guys working out at a time. I obviously can't be everybody's personal trainer. So uh, I make sure. Dude, that, that is so hilarious that there are personalities like that because, I mean, there are everywhere, but, I mean, they're they're afraid that you're going to tell them what they already know, you know? Yes. And that, exactly. that, that makes it real, you know? Like like uh, like you guys already mentioned, God forbid you look in the mirror and make a, an honest assessment of what you are and what you need to do. I, I be, it's a lot easier to just do what comes easy to you and never really challenge challenge. Well, you know, challenge Michael Jackson, you. basically Michael Jackson figured this out for us. The Man in the Mirror. I mean, that yeah, song has. Right? I, I mean, every day as it goes on, I remember I heard that song the other day. Uh, Stop. Uh, I was with my kids in the car, and they they love it. They they're huge. I have two four year old little girls, and they're huge Michael Jackson fans. I heard that song come on. I was like, "Man, so truthful." MJ and had it. I'm like, yep. he, "Dude, he, he was a man before his time." Oh Me my god! I can't believe And and by no means am I like trying to bash everybody here because, like I said, the 90% of everybody is awesome all the time. But there's a few people here and there that they just it's they they challenge the hell out of me because. You know, and I don't care. And it's not just here. It's any sport that I've worked with, any group. You're always going to have some guy that, you know, he thinks that he's the best or she's the best or why should I bother getting better? It's like the day you stop trying to get better is the day you start dying in, in a sense, you know. So I'm always trying to excel and no matter what it is. And it doesn't necessarily mean putting more weight on the bar. It's just there's different ways to improve and you know, if yeah. you're just not willing to accept it, if you're not willing to look at those those things because it might be a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, God forbid you ask somebody to be uncomfortable to try something new because they've always done it this way. Oh, well, how's that working for you? You know, like I see the results you've gotten and, uh, you know, you're, you seem to be stuck for a couple months, but you've always done it that way. So maybe if you keep doing it that way, <laughs> things will change sometimes. So yeah, you know, that's, that's just the thing. It's trying to get some people to be open-minded, get out of their own head, be completely, um, uh, what, what, what's the word? I don't know. Just you know, receptive to yeah. to, to open ideas. You know. And imagine, imagine if time. you imagine if this message. Uh, and I'm not I'm not trying to make any sort of like specific point, but imagine imagine if that message were coming from, uh, say, a woman or something. Like I run into these problems like all the fucking time. Like everyone's egos hurt. Uh, not everyone, but but there are a handful of people at our seminars who are just like. You can see in their eyes that they hate that you're telling them that they're doing something Kelly, poorly. Kelly, we've yeah. seen the we've we've seen the butt hurt when all of a sudden and uh, you know like we teach obviously a seminar that's you know obviously not geared it's geared towards sport performance so it's usually a lot of guys and uh, hearing Callie go fucking just off on dudes or just uh, you know breaking them down and telling them like how it is yeah. uh, all of a sudden I'm like I, I just pictured that little meme of like. Uh, the, the dark emperor being like, oh, let the butt hurt flow through you. And uh, that's what always goes through my mind as soon as I see it. I'm like, good, good. Let the butt hurt flow through you. There's, a, there's that one guy in the corner who, like, randomly gets uh, slightly aroused. When oh, well, yeah, and, and, and then there's, there's guys over there asking for Mistress Callie to slap him in the face. Oh and, uh, it's a little odd, but, yeah, I mean, we've, seen, we've seen some fucking butt hurt of epic proportion. Where, oh, like, yeah. yeah we gotta go out and like talk to these guys and talk them off the ledge. I'm like, I know you got your man card taken. Why don't you come back in here, unfuck yourself, and try to earn it back? Well, <laughs> and, honestly, uh, I don't say anything that's not out of line that anyone else wouldn't hear. Like, if if you move like dog shit and and you know it, and you're not trying to be receptive to whatever coaching is coaching is going on, you're gonna you're gonna hear it from any coach. Hopefully. Well, yep. Yeah, Absolutely. but I mean, uh, like when you told that one guy you were gonna rip his fucking balls off so he couldn't procreate. <laughs> I did not. I say mean, that. that was taking it a little bit far. <laughs> 
I didn't but you know, know what? I'm that. tucking it in because you know what? He should got a call for me. <laughs> He's diluting <laughs> the gene pool. <laughs> the, uh, you know the what? Yes. stories are so good. At the games, this guy came up to our booth and was like, I want to know who created this workout on CrossFitFootball.com. This was ridiculous. I don't think anybody could do it. Callie was testing people's verts, and I pointed to Callie, and I was like, you see that lady right there? She created the workout. I bet she beat your ass in it. Callie just looks over without missing a beat, goes, stop being a pussy. <laughs> That's it, man. People need to be yeah. put in their place sometimes, you know, because most people aren't as cool as they think they are. And uh, and when you can accept that and they're like, hey, you know, let me just back up, start from the beginning, and, uh, and, and I can get better instead of just keep – you know, plodding along the same road that you've been doing, change is a good thing, you know, Ho hopefully, you know, it's, as long as you're not doing anything stupid. Um, yeah, and, and Matt, I know that since you've worked with uh, tons of athletes at this point, seen tons of human movement, um, do you have a definition or something that you could describe as good athleticism? Uh, I've, I've talked about this with a couple different guys, Zach, and uh, you guys know Max Schenk? I don't. I don't think so. I don't he's know. A, yeah, he's a good dude. If you look him up, you'll see some pretty cool stuff from him. But I guess to simplify things is making you know difficult things look easy. Making sure you're moving through uh, uninhibited, pain-free, full range of motion. Um, there's a lot of guys that maybe they can move into a deeper squat, but you see their face fucking grimace, and it looks like they're about to snap in half. Like, okay, so you got there, but. You know, your, your hips are kind of cockeyed. You're a little bit, you know, unbalanced. There's more weight on your left foot than there is on the right. You're protecting this knee. But you can see, like, when people are, like, hiding things. So I want to see an uninhibited full range of motion. I want to see um, heavy weights look easy. I want to see you be able to run and jump, you know, um, yeah, like, I, I like, think that, like, like a kid. You know? so, that's yeah. great. And definitely making uh, difficult things look easy. And that's something that we see, you know, in field sports all the time. When you look at change direction, you're looking yeah. at hurdling, lunging, stepping, working through all these um, different axes of rotation and, and making it look like flawless. And yes. uh, I think that that's one thing that we, we try to remind people that you know it when you see it, even if it's hard to define, but it's not – it's not necessarily something that is, for instance, an automatic like uh, shootout of, say, fitness or something like right. that. It's just something that is a little bit less tangible. Exactly. It's, it's more subjective in nature. And, uh, and like I said, we try and do the things we can to you know, maybe get their numbers up, increase their power clean or squat and all that. Maybe it'll improve their athleticism, maybe not. And uh, there's, there's so much just like testing and retesting and trying to evaluate, reevaluate, seeing what's working and what's not. Because, and again, what works for one group of people probably may or may not work with somebody else. So um, we're, we're constantly just trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, and I hate this. It kind of sounds like it's a huge experiment. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just constantly trying things. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it is. I, I just want to make sure these guys are, are stable. It doesn't look like they're about to crack in half when they're, you know, doing a, you know, a, a heavy pool or something like that. But, um, yeah, at, just like you said, it, it's subjective. Um, as long as I can see them move at a good range of motion, not look like they're about to get hurt, be stable, be strong. Um, and that seems to carry over really well. Have good coordination. I mean, how many people do you see like, uh, they, yeah, they just cut like playing, playing some general basketball, a little pickup game and it. You know, they, they might like trip over their own feet and while they're dribbling, you know, it's like, well, athletes pick things up easy. I, I'll demonstrate something in here, and I've got a handful of people that just instantly do it with, like, virtually no instruction just by, like, they saw what happened. And other people, like, maybe doing some of our agility warm-ups, like a karaoke. I've got, I've got some people that literally 
trip and fall on their face trying to do a karaoke. And to me, it's like this is very simple drills that we do on a regular basis, and it's taken you like six months to learn how to do a karaoke. It makes you want to blow my brains out because I'm obviously <laughs> a shitty coach because I can't teach you a fucking no. karaoke. But you know, but you, you know what I mean. So like some people get it and some don't, and you just see like you know who has it and who doesn't. Like you said, it's very hard to define, but you know it when you see it. Yeah, one of the things that that you said really does ring true, which is you take a, an athlete who's really adept at one, like say field sport, and you teach them a new sport, and those those people who are super athletic, they they can pick it up like that. It's amazing to see, um, and it just like it makes you so jealous when you see somebody who's able to just kind of kind of seamlessly take it in and identify, you know, whatever movement patterns or power is necessary for that new sport yep. or that new skill position or whatever, and yep. then just demonstrate it. It's amazing. Absolutely. Like, I'm fortunate that uh, we have an extremely great re recruitment process. We have scouts that go all over the world, and, um, you know, we've got a couple guys that played in the NFL here right now. And uh, so they come after their NFL career is over and they're obviously, you know, the Lamborghinis of the human race when you're a defensive back in the NFL or something like that. Right. These guys are just running like gazelles. They eat almost anything they want and they have shredded lower abs and it's just unreal. So, again, like we talked about before. Their athleticism is there. I don't really have to teach them anything. I just have to make sure that they're showing up every day. The lights are on for them. They have some weights to move. And uh, the biggest thing that they got to do when they get here is work on their charisma or their personality, especially because they, they come from a history of 10, 15 years of playing football hidden under a suit, under a helmet. They don't have to worry about their facial expressions. Now, everything they do is selling. It's pretending. Instead of smashing somebody, it's making it it's, – it's, making it look like you just killed them, but you didn't even really touch them. You know, how do you fake it? How do you sell it? How do you make it look like it was the most intense thing you've ever done when really you, it, it wasn't that hard of a hit at all? You know what I mean? So like these guys that can jump, you know, 55 inch box jumps, but you know, the, the guy that has a 20 inch box jump actually makes the move look better. You know, like that's, that's one of the harder things for them is they have to learn the dance, the song and dance, the entertainment aspect, the facial expressions and all this. So that's something that, you know, it's hard for me. Not, it's not hard to come to terms with, but it's the other side of the coin. Like I'm trying to get them healthy, but really, even if they could, you know, box jump a hundred inches, see later. Um, it, it, the, the bigger aspect is how do you, the believability, you know, how do you make something look like you just lifted a thousand pounds, but it was really only a hundred pounds. You know, that's, that's kind of a bigger issue sometimes. So Matt, I mean, you're in the entertainment uh, industry, I guess, or you, you you are kind of a vessel to that industry. What would you say on the on the subject of entertainment? What do you what do you find uh, are your favorite or your top movies in terms of you know motivation, either motivation or just straight up entertainment? Because we're we are really influenced by film here at Power Athlete. So I was curious, uh, like, what's on your hit list? Um, probably the most motivational movie of all time is The Karate Kid. Uh, here you have some Jersey twerp, about 106 pounds, soaking wet. He's about 40 years old in high school, and uh, he, he's getting kicked around by some high school uh, douchebag from California. And uh, next thing you know, he, he turns a corner. He learns how to wax on, wax off. He wins the girl. He slays, he lays the pipe, and uh, so he takes Johnny's girl. He wins the trophy. And if you think back, like how cool is Mr. Miyagi, right? Here's a 65-year-old <laughs> um, dude who's trying to get uh, Daniel's son drunk, right? So he's got a high school kid. He's having him sleep over. He's getting him drunk. <laughs> he's like, uh, you know, 
Dude, you run in the gamut with the Karate Kid. Oh like, my god! There's there's all kinds of shit going on there. And if you're not, you couldn't make that movie today. If, yeah. if you're, oh, hey, you couldn't re, make rewatch. Dude, think about how many movies that you that you couldn't make today. Karate Kid, History of the World. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's part insane. one. Go ahead, go ahead and watch a, an episode of Archie Bunker and just you just oh, yeah. want to curl up in a ball and be like, oh, my God, this can't be happening right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. But anyway, no, I um, let's see. Really inspirational stuff. I have no idea, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a Mel. I'm a Mel Gibson fan. He's somehow he has a tomahawk and he kills forty seven thousand people that are all shooting at him. I don't know how, how this fucking happened. Uh, that's that pretty good. Well, yeah, that, that was the Patriot. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! I was gonna say because Braveheart—that was before like munitions, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, amazing. Some, some, somehow, somehow he scalps a million people that are all out to get him at the same time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but those are musket, you know, muzzle loaders, and those guys were very good shots. I mean, he was able to like knock them down with like musket balls out of a out of a fucking yeah. pistol. So, Guns back in that day. It was like a 50-50. Once you pull that trigger, you don't know if it's going to blow your own face off. Or <laughs> else That's actually a true statement. I, I think over half of the people that died in like the Revolutionary War and Civil War was actually their weapon exploding. Yeah, yeah. Explodes in their face. Imagine pulling that trigger, not knowing if it's a grenade or if it's a bullet that's going to come out the other side. Oh or uh, or like you always see the ones of like those guys shooting the cannonballs and what they would do is they would actually shoot them and the cannonball would roll and like rip like a hundred dudes legs off. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, so like in the Civil War, like they wouldn't even put uh, explosives in the cannonball. They would just shoot them at the ground and they were just a fucking thousand foot. Down. Yeah, these, these steel balls rolling as fast as they could, ripping dudes legs off. Like uh. That's... That's, I mean, I'd rather get blown up or have my musket blow up. I, I think so, too. It, it kind of reminds me of like a, a weird Mon, Monty Python episode where like <laughs> half the army has one leg, but they're still chasing after you with a sword, like, son of a bitch, and then like a spider jumps out of nowhere and like gives you gangrene. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I, I mean, dude, I, I don't know if you've ever been out to Gettysburg, or, uh, so I, sure, I actually sure. went out to Gettysburg, and like you start seeing how big it was, and then you start understanding how many people died in a single day, and you're like, all right, uh, we have uh, obviously the value of life or at least of liberty is greater than what we know today because it was something like 40,000 people died here on in one day. And you're like, yeah, and, that's like and a whole to, town. Absolutely. To that point, you know, one of the more ex emotional experiences I have, just going to D.C. And, and walking the wall, you know, and you walk on that sidewalk and you look at that wall, you get through it, and then all of a sudden, like, it just starts to mean something after a while because you see name after name, and that wall is like, I don't even know how high it is, 10, 12 feet, just full of names, and it's just like, holy shit, these are all real, this is real, man, this isn't just like a carved stone, this is real shit, and it's, you know, I looked at it, and I fucking cried a little bit, and it's just like, it's 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 wild. I don't yeah, know. it's a very somber experience, I'm from Washington, D.C., and Bobby is as well, and, uh, you know, like, the weird thing is, um, whoa, 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 Bobby is from Scranton. PA. He's not. But he, but he lives yeah, in D.C. No, no, he is. He is Scranton, which is fucking. I mean, like. Yeah, so, me and Tommy. We yeah, got it. We say, the Scranton connection. And you, know, um, like, uh, and you can ask a Philly guy like uh, like Matt when, when when people say they're from Scranton, what do you think? Um, Dunder Mifflin or something. You know, I don't know. Like, there's, there's a paper mill. There's, there's going to be some cheap beer. You're going to have, you know, a couple. A couple mullet pitchers. and a Camaro. That's <laughs> yeah. all you got to A mullet and a Camaro. There you go. There you go. That's yeah. It. One of uh, Matt. One of my favorite videos of yours is a. It's a really old video and it's been knocking around on the interwebs for a long time. And I don't know if anybody else has seen it on the staff. It's called the world's greatest barbell complex. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. So uh, I I will regularly replicate that as a parlor trick in the gym uh-huh. where uh, Matt hits a one-arm barbell snatch at 135 and then windmills down and picks up a can of Yingling lager and fucking just uh. cracks it with his mouth, head back, pounds the whole can, throws the can down, drops the barbell. It's gold. Bobby, I think you showed me that video like four years ago or something. Yeah, it's been knocking around for a while. That was actually the first time I ever uh, heard of you, Matt. <laughs> That's funny. It, um, you know, it's funny because you do little stuff like that. And it's, it's a parlor trick. It's not yeah. how you train. It's not like, hey, this is what you got to do to get jacked, boys. Everyone get out of the ground. <laughs> exactly. It's awesome. It worked, it worked for Stone Cold. But, like, on the interwebs, like, you know, people are really criticizing, like, my technique. And, like, uh, you know, just like, I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm kidding around. And the yeah. point is, with, with good, solid training, you can have some fun. You can pick up some shit. I can chug a beer. If I want, I can I can drink a six-pack, a 12-pack, and I can go and lift some weights and not kill myself. Do I recommend it? No, that's not how it's done. But, you know, I, I – what uh, – um, what's his name? Mark. Whatever. When you're strong, you can be wrong. You know, like we just do shit to have fun because I've been training for 25 years at this point. You know, so uh, yeah, it was just something fun. So it's good to see when some of are lighthearted and they can do some things. And uh, yeah. every once in a while, I just got some guy. I guess he, like maybe they just took their first CrossFit cert and uh, they, they know <laughs> they, they 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 just found out about Prelipin's chart. So I'm completely out of the rep range for Prelipin's <laughs> chart. My 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 beard chart. Technique, tempo with my snatch. You follow, uh, go get a lot. Uh, so, 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 wait. You weren't using like time under tension, like zero, one, four, one, because they just went to their first ball again. Like in a final signature class. Like, oh, you did. You know, you're not actually using faster fibers. We talk about it all the time, like that. And uh, like the other. Just last night, um, a friend of mine, we were at the gym till like, I don't know, like 9.30, 10 o'clock, and we were snatching heavy. He works up to 250, and he posts it. You know, he posts it on social media. Yeah. And, like, uh, within five minutes, here come, well, you know, that technically isn't the full snatch. His hips weren't below parallel. Right, right. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, when you can fucking snatch that, you can criticize that. Right, exactly. You know, take your fucking 95 pounds. Well, dude, the lesson to be learned there is I just, I, it's one thing if you, if you film yourself for your own, like, coach's eye or whatever, but, like, right. I just think posting your list is so fucking douchey. Well, I mean, if you're, if you're going to post them, then you have to be prepared for the fucking uber douche explosion that's going to yeah, happen around yeah, yeah, yeah. it. So, this like, your buddy, true. your buddy posting it on there, like, as, like, a, like, he, he, it's like, like so that's right. that's yeah. what he's so so he's out a there. douche. Hey, hey, here, here, he's, he's, he's a douche for putting it out there because those guys are doing exactly what they are fucking bred to do, which is be douche. Yeah. So like, well, they all need to be fucking shot. Well, and, I, you know, like yeah, we'll go post it on the internet. It's, it, it's like, uh, it's like these girls. Like, uh, my favorite is on Instagram. Uh, these girls are like a million followers or something. They followers. <laughs> They're like daily naked selfie. And, uh, and dudes yep. will be like, I want you to sit on my face. And, all this stuff. <laughs> and then they're fucking outraged that people write this. Oh, my God, I can't believe people would write this. And I'm like, right. what the fuck do you expect? John, right. I'm, I'm right here. I can hear you. <laughs> the well, the only difference is Allie's usually hitting him up being like, so where do you live? 
<laughs> Hilarious. Go ahead and wipe my seat off and wipe your mustache. Yeah, dude, dude, I, yeah, exactly. You have no sympathy for somebody who puts themselves out there because you know ultimately that's that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a little attention and fuck it. You know what? If that's your thing, like go for it. But right. but just don't be a yourself. just don't be a pussy about it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Danny, being stupid, Danny. Bitch, Danny. You fucking pussy. <laughs> God damn it! You're fucking making up fucking snatches at two fifty at the end of the night and somebody bitches about. It, you know what? Don't put it out there. So you know what? Kick your buddy in the nuts and punch yourself in the face. Or post another. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hang myself right now. Good. You should fucking like, kill yourself immediately. I need you to go brush your teeth with a gun. So he's, so, he's already locked in the bathroom. <laughs> Matt, um, yeah. if you could, if you could just like, as we kind of sh- close up the show a little bit, as you could, if you could tell yourself, like, you know, a younger coach or a younger Matt, maybe like, you know, 15 years ago, um, something, some, some little piece of wisdom, uh, what would it be? Fine beauty and simplicity and stop trying to reinvent the wheel you know there's too many people that's trying to find a new system sell a new ebook this mm-hmm. and that and it's like okay we get it like i guess the never ending quest for improvement that's great but at the same time everything we need to know especially for beginners is already out there find a uh, a reputable coach buy their ebook for 20 bucks do their program for a year or two whatever and find beauty in simplicity it's um Exceptional athletes do ordinary things extraordinarily well. There's there's not a huge difference in the lifts. This you know your snatching, your cleaning, your your bench and squat and whatever. You don't need to do a thousand different variations. You just need to do it really fucking good. And it takes a long time and a lot of reps to do it. So find beauty in doing all these simple things. Don't look for the you know uh, the the magic taco. Just enjoy the fucking fish taco like yeah. for, for what it is um and there's too many people like i said that try and reinvent things or do it a different way or, or come up with a better system you know what if you're brand new you're not going to make a better system you're probably just fucking up somebody else's uh recipe and yeah. i think mike boyle said that before he was like when the, the new cooks don't come in the kitchen and you know just make up recipes like you take you know, like Emerald's recipe, and you just do that, and 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 then you're you'll have a good product. But if you try and make up your own jambalaya or whatever, you're probably going to fuck it up. So if you're new, just use you know whatever programming you're using. I don't care if it's five three one or starting strength. There's lots of great quality programs out there. Stop adding your own spices to it. Just do it as it's followed. Run the course, stay the course. Have the balls to actually stick to something long enough to see results and not change you know direction every other week or every other workout just to, to to get that new shiny object stay focused and stay the course yeah we we definitely reflect the same sentiments and i can't tell you how many times we've lectured this at the seminar but um it's just nice to hear somebody who's you know a leader in their field who works with professional athletes uh have the same exact opinion and i i just think uh you know all of our listeners this won't be a surprise to them but you know, it, it just, it really does um, solidify kind of our stance as well in that, uh, you know, if one more person asks me when they can start incorporating chains and boxes into their squat, yeah. like, I'm going to fucking, like, you know, like, it's just, it, that's exactly like what we deal with. When you ask them how long they've been squatting, they tell you, oh, well, they've been crossfitting for six months, and you're like, okay, well, like, you're not, you're not ready for that. You're, like, you'll know when you're ready, and it's not now, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, most of the information you're getting is probably a lot of people reiterating very similar sentiments, but 
I mean, that's that's just how it is. I, I'd love to have a, a million new anecdotes of how to do this or that, but you know, I've I learned from good people, and I I try and stay true to it instead of trying to change every everything all the time. So. That's great. Well, Matt, thank you so, so much for taking the time for uh, the podcast. I mean, it's uh, you've been one of our favorite guests. I can pr probably um, just speak for everyone else in that, you know, sometimes it's a crapshoot. You don't, you're not really sure what you're going to get, and uh, but but you uh, definitely exceeded my expectations in terms of just, uh, you know, your, your philosophy and training, your ethos within strength conditioning, and so thanks so much for chatting with us. My pleasure, guys. After thank you, thank you. We'll do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah we'd love to have you back home. Thanks a lot, right. Matt. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, buddy. Yep. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> now it's time for you to empower your performance. Follow Coach Matt Wichlinski on Instagram or Facebook simply by searching his name or finding the links on our Power Athlete Radio blog. You can also take a video tour of the WWE Performance Center by finding the video on this episode's blog post or by going to the WWE website. It's a truly an impressive place to train. Next week, we welcome Dr. Dan Reardon of Fitness Genes to talk about how testing your genetics to improve training and diet, it just might be the best thing you're not doing. Until next time, bye!